What? Sorry, I just burped. It was pretty rude of me. It's okay. I <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I can't burp. <laughs> We are a weekly phenomena, <laughs> and it is a new week. So we're back. So we're back. I am Sophia. I'm Melina. And today, joining us in our amazing fancy studio is um, a longtime listener, first time guest, Chloe. <laughs> Chloe, who was name dropped in the last episode. <laughs> yes, I'm famous. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Now that you're so famous, it's it's our honor. Gracing us with your presence. So, today we are back with our regular scheduled program of uh, Rage. Yep. Uh, This week on What Makes You Rage, we haven't come up with a sophisticated title for it. We're trying so hard. We're trying so hard. Truly, maybe just overly involved people. Maybe us just being stressed out in social situations, maybe. People not respecting professional boundaries. Tests in real life. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> in, in real, real life. life. You'll get the sense once we start We're raging. just going to start talking at you, and if you don't pick it up, then this is not the podcast for you, my friend. Truly, truly. Sophia, why don't you kick us yeah. off? So, so listen, let me set the scene. I'm just on my break. It's a nine-hour shift. I'm tired. There's a lot of people around. I just want a tea. Um, and I happen to be wearing a Beatles shirt. And I go to Starbucks to get my tea, and this man is like, what's your favorite Beatles album? And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. There's an audience. I'm stressed. <laughs> Please don't talk to me. Just It's just hot water and a bag. Like, that's all you got to do, sir. And I was like, I don't, I'm not really an albums person. I just listen to singles. And he's like, well, what's your favorite song? And I listen to the Beatles, okay? <laughs> she does, in fact, very passionately. Also yells at people about the Beatles. Yeah. Truly loves the Beatles. Maybe, maybe the biggest Beatles fan I know. Your dad. <laughs> oh, Your true. dad is definitely a bigger Beatles fan Fair enough. Than me. That's fair. Shout out but to Tony. this is just to say, I do really listen to the Beatles, okay? Um, I have a right to be wearing this shirt. I mean, admittedly, it is Melina's shirt. Um, I didn't buy the shirt. <laughs> but I still have a right to it. And so, but my brain is blank because I'm put on the spot. It's a performance. I get, I get anxiety. I get stage fright. I wasn't, I didn't prepare for this. I didn't rehearse. I didn't get the lines. Okay? So I was like, um, and the only song that my brain could come up with was Why Don't We Do It In The Road, which is not a very well-known Beatles song. Also not a great title to be saying to strangers. (laughs) He makes me repeat this three times. One time he's yelling at me as I walk away. So I have to yell it back to him in this busy station and I was like, this is literally my worst nightmare. <laughs> and now I can't go back there. And that was the most convenient Starbucks for me. It's like right next to the office. And now I just can't go back there because I'm anxious and I don't want him to bring it up. And I don't want him to talk to me. I barely am able to have conversations with people I know and like, let alone people I don't know. Strangers who know my name because for some reason my name has to be on my tea. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> Chloe's on the other side of it, though. Yeah, Chloe's a customer service rep. But for someone in customer service, I really don't like talking to people that much. Yep. So it's a strange time. But the problem with this particular problem is that when people come up to me and start these conversations, I'm trapped. You have nowhere to go. 
these people going off script. We have a transaction. You come to me, I do the thing, you leave. But I am now trapped, and you have secured me, and there is people, there is yeah. an audience. What am I supposed to do? I don't have the additional script for this. Where are the pages for this? I don't have them. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt, Chloe. <laughs> don't go off script. Don't go off script. <laughs> There's a script. It's like, oh, how are you? I'm mm-hmm. fine. The grande. Let's go. Yeah. If <laughs> What's the built, rest of this? If we built a rapport, and I know you, sure. Yes. We will have a small conversation sure. that I know will end within a few minutes. Yes. <laughs> Perhaps we can do that. But for anxious folk. Sometimes all you can do is the script. Yep. You know, you've gone into a store. This is me being you now. You've gone into a store. You want your tea. You're prepared to say these three sentences. Yep. And someone's messing with that. Yep. You haven't prepared for that. No. You're tired. I'm tired. There's an audience. There's an audience. audience. There's an audience. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It throws me off. Me out. It's stressful. Yeah. Also, like, probably if you're, like, a cute, nice girl, I'm more likely to talk to you more than if you're, like, an angry man accusing me of not liking the Beatles. Like, everybody likes the Beatles. <laughs> Versus, like, a girl's like, oh, I like your shirt. And I'm like, oh, my God, I like your shirt. And then she's like, I'm wearing a uniform. And I'm like, yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> I can't go back here. <laughs> Don't go off script. Don't go off script. Mine is much less fun and funny. It's actually not funny at all. It's actually very rude. (laughs) But it's just this, like... So I was... uh, And this is the second time this has happened to me. This has happened to me twice. So I was in a dressing room changing, trying on a thing, which was my first mistake. I have rules, you know? I buy stuff online, I try it on in the safety of my own home, and then I send it back if I don't like it. (laughs) I don't do it in the store. But I broke my rule. I was feeling risky. I don't know. Living on the edge. This is my kind of dangerous behavior, trying things on in the store. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I was like trying on this dress and whatever. And then like the lady who was helping me comes and gives me another, a different dress as opposed to the dress I tried. And she was like, you might feel more comfortable in this. And of course it was a sack dress. Yeah. And it was in a store that doesn't have a plus size section. This generally doesn't happen in stores with plus size sections or it's never happened. The other time this happened to me, uh, I was trying on lingerie and that was real (laughs) shitty. So like I was trying it on and then she handed me like something that was like obviously very less revealing than the thing I tried on. And she was like, you might feel more said the almost the exact same thing was like, you might feel more comfortable like this. And here's my thing. Like, first of all, if you want me to buy this and you want to make a commission, this doesn't seem like the way to do it. Um, and at first I was like, maybe this only happens to me. And then I went on the internet and everyone on Reddit was like, no, this has happened to me. (laughs) Like, this is a thing that happens. And what really irritates me is like, you don't think that I didn't look at that sack dress in that store and heard every voice in my head ever and was like, oh, that would like be more quote unquote flattering for my body type. You don't think that I thought that? You don't think that was the first thing that I thought? You don't think that it took every ounce of like body positive power and like every ounce of like I don't know like will I had to be like no I'm gonna try on the dress that I freaking want like you're not telling me anything I haven't already thought about myself or that anyone else on the like hasn't already said to me so just don't like don't give people unsolicited advice about their body if like don't do it don't do a shush just stay in your lane truly a shush stay in your lane I was just so and like at first it really bugged me and I was really, really upset. And then you kind of like get over it. Cause you're like, well, like, eh, that's just dumb. Like, it's just silliness. Like, I don't want to hear it. I just can't imagine feeling like I knew this stranger well enough to be like, you're uncomfortable. This yeah. will be more comfortable for you. What? Yeah. What? Where did you get that confidence? Yeah. It's misplaced. Yeah. 
Truly. <laughs> Take it back. Do a return. Yeah, this didn't need this. Like, it's already like a... Like I said, I already don't try... This is why I don't go into changing rooms. I just like... I don't want... Sorry, I just burped. This is pretty rude of me. It's okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I can't burp. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> anyway, point being, stick to the script, stay in your lane, don't give people unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. Maybe do a think before you say. Mm -hmm. Do a think before it, you say. It's not nice, maybe do a shush. Yeah. yeah. That's one example of something that ha kind of happens to me all the time. Like that lady in the washroom when I was wearing patterned pants and she was like, oh, you know, patterned pants are for thin people. And I was like, okay, like, sure. Or she was like, patterns are for thin people. Like, people say stuff like that to me all the time. Like, or like, you know, it's... It's weirder from strangers, but, like, I had, like, an aunt who was like, have you tried Weight Watchers? And I was like, okay, like, so people just say stuff, because, like, when you don't, whatever, if you don't meet a norm, whatever it is, people automatically assume you're trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I actually don't need to be fixed. It's actually, like, I'm very fine. You are doing the damage. Yeah. Like, you are causing the problem yeah. here. So. None of it's ever about you. They're just projecting insecurities. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's it's just like just don't like think you right. think before you say things to people. <laughs> yeah, do okay. yeah. Okay, guys, today we're doing the first episode of our friendship series. Friends, Aww. friends, yeah, friends. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Today, surprise, we're gonna talk about female friendships. Yeah, and we're just gonna put a quick disclaimer at the top of this. Um, when we, first of all, when we use the words, like, women and female, we're talking about, like, any, all women, not just, like, cis, like, all, all of the women. Anyone who anyone. identifies with that word. Anyone. Um, the other thing is we understand that gender is, like, a construct. You'll have just heard us talk about how yeah, gender is a construct. Yeah, we did a whole episode. Um, but society still operates within certain gender roles, and we, it often affects how we interact with people, which is what we're talking about in this episode, how those sort of constraints, uh, you know affect you as just previously said <laughs> so that's my disclaimer it was a good it was a good disclaimer i've been disclaimed great excellent that's all i really wanted from this <laughs> i liked it i liked it a lot um okay i'm gonna start we're gonna start with some uh questions love it so the first question i'm gonna ask is uh uh what were the most formative representations of female friendship for you in media could be books shows movies whatever and God. You all missed it. She did, like, a real sassy head flick. It's true, I did. It was great. It's good. It's good. I appreciated it. You want to start? I think you should start. I can start. Um, I just think you have, like, like a good yeah, answer. Sure, okay. Um, I think it's, like, it's hard because I think there were, especially um, when we were younger, there were a lot of depictions of um, sort of demonized femininity in movies and shows it was a lot like don't be feminine like you're cool and you're chill if you're you're sort of the further you move away from that but that's actually not what I wanted like what appealed to me was like Raven and Chelsea from That's So Raven like that's what I wanted I was like oh that's the friendship that I want or like uh Lizzie and Miranda from like Lizzie McGuire, right? It was always like these like incredibly strong or oh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Oh my God. I love that so much. I love the idea of just like falling into this family of people. Mm -hmm. Like um, that's really what I wanted. And that's actually also what I ended up having. Um, a pair of pants that you share with five people. Yes. And then also a trip to Greece where yes. you fall in love with Cus 
Costa. Couscous? It sounded like you are going to say Cusco. Cusco. That's like very different. Llama man. Not the same. Still great though. What a great arc. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Anyway, I tried these pants. No, it's not. It's just not part of the sisterhood. Oh my gosh. No, I just like that, like that, that's in, very intimate, like almost not romantic, but that like intimate, like intense sort of like bond of friendship that I so desperately wanted. And that's uh, what I ended up having. But it was like this dichotomy of who am I supposed to be or who am I supposed to emulate? And then what do I actually want? And like, you know, as I got older, it kind of changed. Like, I love Christina and Meredith a lot. Um, I identify with, from Grey's Anatomy. I identify with Meredith as, like, the most unalone, lonely person on the planet. And, like, that is often, like, like I slot pretty neatly into yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense for you. Right? And so, you know, I, I love their friendship. And Callie and Mariana on The Fosters, which is a weird one because they're not, it's not necessarily a friendship. They're like adoptive sisters. But there is this idea of someone finding family and like yeah. finding like this beautiful, like um, feminine, like friendship that, that like they maybe couldn't find elsewhere. Um, so yeah, and I just find, I, I'm watching it incredibly comforting. Like, and I, and I do think like having those as, people who I aspired to be really helped me see that those were kinds of things that I could slot into on my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, I thought this question was really interesting because when I thought about it, I couldn't really conceptualize any female friendships that I saw portrayed in the media that had any kind of impact on me growing up. Like anytime I try and think back to like the friendships that really stick with me, they're usually, they're either male-male or they're male-female. Yeah. Like, it's, like, Ron, Harry, Hermione. And even in that, it's really, like, Ron and Harry's friendship Mm -hmm. that is, like, so impactful, I think, in those books. Um, Or, I, this is so silly, but, like, when I was thinking about it, I really love the friendship between Sam and Carter in A Cinderella Story. (laughs) I just think it's something about it is so cute. I think part of it is that it is like a teen movie romance. Yeah. But the best friend isn't just like a person who escorts her down the hallway. Like yeah. he's they talk about things. They yeah. talk about her dad and they talk about this boy and he encourages her to like go to the things and and to do to live her best life and and there I don't know something about it just felt very somehow, like, realer to me than a lot of the friendships in those movies that are more kind of, like, romance-centered. Like, Ten Things I Hate About You is an excellent movie. Yeah. But what Kat has, like, a best friend in that who says, like, one word. Yeah. Like, her best friend says more words to the, like, secondary character that she ends up with than she says to Kat. Yeah. Um, and, you know... That's not really how friendships work. Like, you're not texting a secret guy and not talking to your best friend about it. (laughs) Otherwise, why would you have a best friend? (laughs) So somehow they portrayed that really well, and I liked it. Or, like, you know, Kim Possible, Ron Stoppable. Yeah. Uh, But then they end up getting together, so But definitely one that I do, like, does stick out to me is Meredith and Christina. Like, something about the way that that friendship is written and, like, that quote of, like, you are my person, I really relate to, um, of just being 
and the, sort of peddling that line of like it is like a really intimate friendship and romance doesn't have the monopoly on intimacy yeah yeah and we'll talk about that later on because i find that really important and interesting thinking about it especially ones growing up I think I'm similar to Sophia in that most of the times I saw females that I was supposed to emulate or felt like I should emulate, they were always in romantic positions and they were always isolated. Mm -hmm. Like they're always with groups of boys or singular with boys. And if they were with girls, it was always in a competitive Mm -hmm. kind of relationship. And I can't really think of any besides like Meredith and Christina, because you guys brought it up, (laughs) where it was never like they were never competing with each other. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of that many. And then, so, obviously, I kind of emulated that and was like, oh, I gotta be like, be like the boys and hang out with the guys and whatever, girls. Yeah. I'm not like other girls. Ugh. Transitions really well into the next sort of point, which is like, what were your least favorite depictions or least favorite tropes of female friendships? And I think because femininity, again, like, we sort of already said this, but is... Um, portrayed so often in the media as being sort of shallow and petty and needy and really desperate for male attention when female friendships are being written by someone who has no personal experience of being in a female friendship (coughs) men (laughs) Um, that's how they're written they're written as these really vapid shallow relationships where people are kind of faking like niceness but are actually in competition with one another you know like one of the best examples i think is easy a yeah which is a great movie like it's a great movie but what the fuck is that friendship i know (laughs) and it's hard because i love what i i like emma stone but i love uh ali what the hell is her name now ali machalka i can't say whatever ali and aj yeah I like I love her so much, and I wanted to like that character so much. But anyway, yeah. Well, it, it is. It just feels like someone you're watching that, and you don't really pay attention because, uh, again, like the friendship is not the point of that. It's all about the romance. Yeah. But when you start to pay attention, you're like, this just who wrote this? This isn't a friendship yeah. in any way. It's yeah. not a friendship. Like you know, like we tease one another and we like nag one another but they don't have conversations they have nothing in common all they do is like lie and then make up rumors and then hurt one another like and they don't ever have a reckoning they don't ever have any kind of like they literally there's no relationship there and i'm just like who wrote this yeah like this isn't how friendship works um and i just feel like that uh perception or conception of femininity is then being written by men into these relationships where they're like, well, female friendships are just placeholders until women meet their man. Uh, and so they're not that deep, you know? Like, they're they're transitory. They don't really matter. They're not sticking around. It's just sort of like the appetizer before the main. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could really think of, and like this, I don't know that this had an impact on me because I watched it so late but it was girls which like I didn't really like to begin with to be fair but I do think that that is a show that is specifically selling me female empowerment yes. and female and friendship that's why I didn't like it. and then watching it like again they're all kind of awful to each other like it, it not just teasing like they really are awful and it just always felt so disingenuous and like it's like they wanted it to be more about the drama than they did about the friendship but they were trying to sell me the friendship yeah these stories are more oriented towards the romance but that's also sort of my point like when have you ever been in like 
none of us have like grand romances because this is real life but <laughs> you know even our tiny mundane real life romances like when have you ever been in one of those and not at least told like one person right you're just yeah. like let me just i just gotta tell you like he, yeah he looked at me she looked at me she looked at me they looked at me someone's looking at me <laughs> did you see it what does it mean i need to talk about it can we discuss i've got a dissertation i've got some theories i've looked at the instagrams yeah okay like you talk about it yeah so it doesn't make sense to me that these people in these movies like these girls have friends and at no point they're discussing all the wacko shit that's happening in their life yeah like they're not like hey stephanie uh guess what i met the prince of England. I was trying to make up a country. It didn't work out for me. She just said Genovia. I know. I was trying to think of it and then yeah. I couldn't. And then, yeah. Well, that's why, like, you showed me for a good time call, which you should watch also. Oh, so and it is about good. the love. It's like the main love story is a friendship. Yes. Like, that's what it's about. It's like, it's and it's not that there is no um, romance. romance. There is. It's just not the center story like that's not why you're watching it it's oh my god if you're watching it for so the romance good. like it's cute but it's not that's not what you're there it's for. about two girls who start a sex phone line <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing yeah but it is and like the big climax at the end is like her telling her best friend that she loves, loves her. her like oh, it's so good yeah, yeah. it's so good yeah there's a lot of spoilers so yeah, I, it's I true. will still watch it it's true it's well it's it's worth watching <laughs> it is worth watching yeah most of the things that I watched, you'd have all the interesting personality male types and then the girl. Yeah. So if ever there was another girl introduced, it was just competition and they were evil. Yeah. Were like, only one. Only yeah. one girl. <laughs> Can only girls. be yeah, one. There's Two only girls. one. Well, that's... Our minds can't comprehend that. That's like the trope of like every like novel that has oh. a female protagonist. Yeah. Your personality is the girl. Yeah. Your personality is the girl, and every man who meets you is in love with you. Mm-hmm. That's like, how you know she's important. Because there's no other girls, I guess. Like, how else, one girl. How else do you know she's important, though? She doesn't exist if no one's in love like, with her. Like, everyone has to be yeah. in love with you. Yeah. And I'm just, like, bored. Yeah, yeah, truly. <laughs> also, bored. why? 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 Like, Harry Potter, he has, like, a tiny love story. Uh, like, doesn't come in until the sixth book. Yeah. There's seven books in this series. Yeah. Well, men can do things. Men can do things. Right? And you know that they're important because they are. Because they have a scar. Yeah. <laughs> or their parents died. It's usually their, their parents. Their parents died. That's or their true. father figure, at least. Yeah, that's true. Especially if Steven Spielberg is directing it. Yeah. Well, like, a lot of these tropes, they come from negative stereotypes about being a woman. So... What sorts of those stereotypes did you hold on to and how, more importantly, because I think we talked about them a bit, how did they inform how you made friends? And so for me, I like, I internalized a lot of those negative stereotypes, like the idea that like women are high maintenance and dramatic and non-confrontational and like catty and like all of those things. Um, But I think that I internalized them differently in that whenever I had like a group of friends, like that stuff never really mattered. It never came up or it didn't stop me making friends with big groups of girls and then like women later in life. But what I think it did do is it stopped me from making friends with guys. And it really made me sort of hate myself because I think what happened is I saw a version of all of those things in myself. And then in my head, I was like, guys won't like me. Like I'll I'll always be someone they hate. I can never be comfortable or safe around them. And like, I, I, I was so, and I wanted so badly to be 
like a chill girl or like one of the, but even if I tried, it just, it never worked for me. I don't know how, like just for some reason I could not do it. And I think that I carry that with me today. Like still, if I'm planning stuff with my guy friends or like guy friends are involved in planning, I always feel really bad or uncomfortable saying anything other than like, oh yeah, whatever works for you. Or like, oh yeah, chill, whatever. And that's so not who I am. Like anyone who knows me knows that's like, I have a schedule. I know exactly when I'm free. I know exactly when I don't want to do stuff. Like that's who I am. <laughs> and, but I feel so uncomfortable being that way um in front of guys and it and I think that in like a really fucked up and complicated way those stereotypes made me feel like women were the only people who were going to understand me which I also think is complicated because not every woman is the same like you know and not every guy is the same but those ideas about those things it just I don't know it, and I also think that those words those like stereotypes I mentioned at the beginning I also think that those are that's coded language yes. and like I think like high maintenance is just like you know what you want or like you're you have good boundaries. Well, I was gonna say like those <laughs> properties in a man, it's like yeah. authority, like leadership yeah. role. Yeah, you know, you're leading the team. But in a woman, it's like you're pushy. Yeah, I have had guys break up with me because I I've gotten like you're just too much. Like I've had people say that to me. I've had that, and I think you're just not enough. <laughs> That also, forever, yeah. but that's something that I always heard. It was like, oh, like you know, and so I always just felt like, oh, well, I just can't then, yeah, and so I don't feel safe, so I'm just gonna do something else. And I held, I hold on to it. I, I, I still feel even around guys that I love. Like we have guys at our friend group who I absolutely adore, but I still, I like. There's just some block there where it's like, no, you can't be, you can't be like that. You can't be like who you are. Well, and I think there's certain words that hold weight for us that they don't necessarily know. So they're yeah. like, oh, this is like a jokey thing Yeah. if I call you high maintenance. Yeah. And you're like, no. <laughs> Get out of my house. Yeah. Get out right now. Yeah. And they're like, I thought we were, no, no. Yeah. No, sir. Well, it's been something I've been told my whole life. Yeah. My whole life. Even the compliments are coded. Like when I yeah. always wanted to be a chill girl, like that was such a compliment. But now when I think about it, chill girl just means submissive and passive yes right yeah it just means passing authority to the guy like, yes so chill, yeah. whatever you want yeah but i want it to be that so bad well it is incredible right like the sort of passive aggressive manipulation like a hundred percent chill girl is girl who lets me treat you like shit and doesn't say anything and so that happens and we watch that happen to our friends yeah and we don't know like you're like you don't let him do this to you and they're like no no it's fine like it's all okay mm -hmm. because they're trying to fit into that yeah chill girl thing which has become an ideal because men were like i want to do whatever i want i want you to do what i want you to do <laughs> great yeah well i and i still sometimes try and it's not even like it, like, I think it used to be for me very much about desirability. Like, it was very much because, like, one, how do you know that you're attractive? Well, men find you attractive. That's yeah. what you're told. Um, so that's where your your validation comes from. And so I think it was very rooted in desire for me. And now I don't know that it's uh, so much about desirability as it is likability or, like, yeah, it's like I, I, well, if I want these friendships, then I have to slot in to that. And, and I think some of it might be my own hangups now. It's just stuff that I've just hung on to. But I also think to some extent, and again, like all of this does not apply to the entire male gender or the entire female gender, but I also think that there's a bit of the 
the need to be liked even by people who maybe you don't care about that is very like again like women are supposed to make themselves palatable yeah like we have to be liked by as many people as possible yeah because that's our only value because we're not smart or strong or capable of anything else so we just need to be likable yeah we need to entertain (laughs) yeah i was originally like oh i i don't think that i've internalized any negative perceptions of femininity that have affected the way i form friendships but then i realized that Definitely, when I was younger, I sought out male friendships specifically because the sort of of the the chill girl thing, but like more because uh, I felt like it, it was like a, a point of pride, like, oh, I'm one of the boys, yeah. which means that I am better than the girls, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Like yeah. I, did not hang out with the girls at recess. I played soccer, and you knew it, because I told you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I play soccer. I play soccer with the boys. Went to middle school, I played football with the boys. Not well. Not well. (laughs) Not a good football player. Can't wrap my hand around a football. Can't do it. Have tried. They're too big. (laughs) I I don't know what's wrong. People keep telling me it's like one size fits all. It's not. Okay. (laughs) Was always bad. But I really pushed into that, and it was never, or not for a very long time, to me about any kind of, uh, like, desirability, because I think I was, like, an emotional late bloomer in some respects. Like, that stuff just didn't quite register with me, but it was definitely about chasing masculinity. Like, I wanted to be seen as masculine as possible. Mm -hmm. And if you hang out with girls, girls do girly things, and then you are associated with the girls, and then you are a girl. But if I dress like a guy and hang out with the guys, and the guys like me, then I am, by association, more masculine, and then by association, superior. And so then it did. It did affect, like, who I hung out with. And it was still about gaining some kind of approval, because it's like whether it's romantic or sexual or not, it's still, like, the masculine stamp of approval is, like, the highest that I can achieve. Yeah, it's it's just interesting how that happens, like, how, like, we internalize things differently, right? Because it's, like, I think it's that's all the same message, right? That femininity is bad and masculinity is superior. It just then, I guess, depending on maybe, like, environmental or whatever it is, it's it'll just sort of shake out differently. Mm-hmm. I also think part of it, and we can talk about this on a different episode, too. As you learned from last episode, I'm bisexual. So, <laughs> um, and I knew pretty early on, like, the, when I started having feelings for boys, I also had feelings for girls. Like, I, you know, maybe I didn't have a name for it. I didn't know what it was called. But that's, I, like, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. That's what it is. Um, and so I, part of me internalized a lot of homophobia, right? So it's like, oh, that means that there's something wrong with you. So I thought if I was as girly as possible and I fit in with like the girls as much as possible also, then it was like, well, nobody will know then. Mm -hmm. And then that part of me also just craved intimate relationships with women that I felt like I wasn't allowed to have otherwise. So that probably plays into it too. But there was definitely a part of me that was like, okay, well, like if you act boy crazy, and nobody's going to know that you're also girl crazy. Because I was boy crazy. I was just also girl crazy. <laughs> Did you really, like, were you really able to make that distinction? No, but I think, I don't think then I was. Right. But I think but looking now, back yes, now, okay. that's that exactly what me. I was doing. Oh, yes. no, no. When I was, 
um, actually, I like no, like little well, child I was me say like um, no, you were woke. No, 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 no. <laughs> little child me was not thinking that. Little child me was was afraid. I think, and like that's something. Like I've been in therapy for like three years now, so like that's something that I I've sort of you know worked yeah, through yeah. in therapy. Um, but that's that that is definitely what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was your first experience for an... I'm not gonna do that. Excuse me. <laughs> what was your first... Man. Oh, fuck. I'm bisexual. What was your... <laughs> uh, what was your first experience forming an intimate female friendship or, like, the first intimate female friendship you kind of remember? Oh. Yeah. And so my... I, like, my first friend ever that I ever remember having was, like, an intimate female friendship. So, like, our parents were friends and her older sister used to watch me. Sophie, if you're listening to this, shut up. But basically, like, we were thrown together from the minute she's two years younger than me. So from, like, the minute she was born, like, we were just sort of thrown together. And I guess you can kind of say we were forced together, but it never actually felt that way. I just, like, I don't know. We were able to just be so weird and, like, be so silly together and, like... I guess because I wasn't at school and we only, we weren't surrounded by other people. There wasn't any sort of pressure. I don't know if that makes sense. It just didn't feel like I, there was no performative part to it. Yeah. Um, so we were able to sort of just be, and I think the beauty of that friendship is that like she lived through everything I lived through when I lived through it. And there is a comfort in like having someone know all your shit and all like your skeletons and, and, like not having to explain I guess and like we're still friends now like we don't hang out like we used to literally spend every weekend together when I was a kid but like you know we we don't we still see each other but we don't um spend that much time together now um but we still talk a lot and I think what I really learned from that is that like blood relatives that's not really what makes your family because she feels more a family like me than most of my actual blood family. So that's, I sort of really early on realized that like I could do that. And then I think the first time I realized like, I, this is going to sound really silly, but like could count on someone was our friendship because I had like, yeah, me and Sophia, I like had like other like friendships but I I never had anyone who was there for me the way that I was there for them literally. And I remember when like, I was out and it was a bad night and like the person who I was with who was supposed to be like someone who like called herself my best friend did something really kind of shitty and I was like 2 a.m. and I was like I'm so upset and you were like okay where are you and I was like I'm at Pape which was very far from where she lived it at the wasn't time that it's far. pretty far for 2 a.m. everything is far at 2 a.m. <laughs> and she was like okay and then she like met me at the station and my I was mom like, was so confused <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like a like it must a Friday yeah. but like we're in high school I'm not going I don't go out <laughs> like and I was like okay I gotta go and she was like what. <laughs> Where? I was like, Pape? Pape? What? Why? Yeah. I was like, I gotta get Molina. She was like, what's, I'll, I'll see you later, mom. <laughs> but it was just like the first time where I was like, oh, like, I can count on someone the same way that, like, I am counted on by other people. And, like, that was very cool. And then after that, like, I don't know, like, I, Chloe, like, we have a really beautiful, I was just able to just form friendships after beautiful. that. Beautiful. Like, and now I have, like, you know, like, my, the, like, there's, like, four women in my life who I, like, count on constantly who are just, like, absolutely wonderful and there all the time. And We gotta get some pants. I was gonna say Yeah, that. we do. We do have to and get some pants. And then frequent flyers, Miles. Go to Greece. <laughs> yeah. And wherever they go other places. Let's throw a brick through a window. What? Karma and Hepburn? 
Yeah. Oh, oh god, yes. I thought you were talking about the Greeks still. I was like, that's they I break mean, a plate. They well, I they also I you know, they do we do we do oh, wild bah. shit. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think the main point of me, it's just been about me learning that, like, I get to choose who's my family. That's, like, yes. that's, again, why I identify so much with Meredith, right? I think a big part of growing up is realizing that there, you, you definitely have, like, a chosen family. Yeah. And then, like, a family family. And you can have a really good relationship with your biological family, but still, as we, like, move out of our parents' homes, yeah. you're gonna have people in your life who are then kind of, like, replace them in the day-to-day. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of, like, an interesting thing that happens. I think I I had a very close friendship when I was very young, but I don't know that it was a good friendship. And, like, one of the reasons that, you know, when it came to high school and, like, there was that time where you were like, hey, I... I need a rescue. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll come. Is because I couldn't do that in the f- this previous friendship, mm-hmm. in that first friendship. I just, like, wasn't ready. Like, mm-hmm. she just, like, moved way faster than I did. And, like, there were times when she needed me to, like, come. I just, like, couldn't. Like, I was like, no, I, I can't leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> I am a child. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I, I cannot. And, and, like, I just wasn't at her level yet, and there were, like, things that she needed for me that I couldn't do. So then by the time that we became friends, I was like, yeah, no, I can do this now. Yeah. I feel like that's something people say when they get into, like, romantic relationships. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're like, and then I was ready. But that is how it yeah. felt. Like, I was like, now I actually am at a point where I can just be like, yeah, like, yeah. that's fine. I can problem solve this. In terms of, like, really, like, close, like, intimate friendships, like, ours was, like, the first one for me. Again, because I'm someone with, like, a lot of boundaries. That was another reason. I was like, uh, this is my box. Yeah. I can't believe you're asking me to step outside. No, no, no. I need a, a 48-hour notice uh, plan. Please register your request, and I'll get back to you. Um, I can't just do things on the fly. Yeah. And, and like, specifically with emotion, I was just like, I can only be so close to people. <laughs> so, like, I remember very vividly the first time that you were like, love you. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> well, okay, bye. <laughs> like, I I was like, I can't. Yeah. What? Love? No one said love. We, like, like each other. I know, <laughs> I know you. I don't love. Okay, I gotta go reevaluate some things. Like, I, like, actually had trouble responding just because I was like, it, it did not compute. Yeah. It, like, did not fit in my box. I was like, I do not emotion this I don't mm -mm. and now that seems so silly because I tell my female friends that I love them all the time and I mean it but there was like a period where I just like could not do that and so like I think like for me and I've said this before like if it hadn't been for like my friendship with you I would not have been able to go on and form like the relationships that I now have with other people like I needed our relationship in order to have like really literally any other relationship I've ever had in my whole life um don't cry I'm not gonna cry I've already (laughs) cried about this (laughs) um we got close pretty quick Um, yeah I decided (laughs) but I also think that's kind of how it happens like you find someone you have chemistry and then it's like okay now we're friends yeah why wait so long you know yeah 
someone does something weird in front of you and you're like, you're like ah, yes. This is the moment. Yeah. That's in my language. Yeah, my kind of weird. Yeah. You're like, excellent. Yeah. Let's get out the gremlin hands. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put on the face masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you take off the face masks with your gremlin hands? <laughs> oh, no. You missed it, listeners. You missed it. You'll never know You'll never how know. you take off a face mask with gremlin hands. Never, never know. Chloe no. is scarred. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. So is your face with your gremlin hands. Huh? Gremlin hands are surprisingly soft. You met a lot of gremlins <laughs> in I, I have. They are my people. Uh, yeah. Earliest female friendships... The ones I could, I always had like one female friend that I was like, this is my friend. Yeah. We are bonded. Yeah. My person. And I, the first like two or three, it was always about power dynamics and competition. My first one, she was a year older than me and she just kind of bossed me around and I didn't like it. She would just pull me around. We would go do things. My second one, she was much more passive. So I was, I just became the bossy mm-hmm. one. So I just did whatever I wanted and she would follow me. And then I got kind of bored. <laughs> um, that's a little harsh, but, but true. And then the third one, we were kind of on the same level, but both, I still always just compared myself to her and I wanted to be her or be better than her. Or I just felt like I always needed to win, but also like no one else could get closer to her yeah. than I could. I had to know her the most. Um, like I got better at friendship over time. But I didn't realize realize how to do proper good friendship till like, I don't know, five, six years ago. Because I realized, hey, maybe it's a give and take. And you have to give yourself in order to receive it back the way that you wanted. So once I started showing how I wanted to be a friend, then I got it back more. Who knew? Vulnerability was the answer. Yeah. Who knew? Not tearing people down. Also the answer. Yeah. yeah. Turns out. Turns out. Being nice to people is good. Yeah. I think similar, like, I had a similar experience, too, with that earlier friendship that I was talking about. I think a lot of the time we were in this weird competition with each other. And then it's hard to be there for someone when they're also your competitor. And, yeah. like, you're constantly keeping score. Yeah. You know, or counting points. That's just, like, it just becomes exhausting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, that's, that's actually not, that's not the friendship that I want. I just want to be able to relax and uh, tell you some things, maybe. Perhaps you will listen. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. yeah. But I think, like, early on, we are pit against each other, right? Yeah. Like, I had that in middle school. Like, there was me and this other girl who I actually, like, liked a lot. Like, she was, like, very cool and, like, very nice. But because we were both at the top of the class, they, like, would do... They would... The teachers, like, adults, would pit us against each other. And I actually think we could have been great friends if it weren't for that. And, like, part of the other problem is, like, there's something, like, I don't have a super competitive spirit. I don't Mm -hmm. think. And so it always felt like someone was competing with me and I wasn't competing with them. Like, she would be like, what'd you get on? I used to say I failed. Like, and I would have done very well, but I'd be like, oh, I failed. Because I just, like, didn't want to, like, do that game. And I actually think we could have, I think we would have still been friends today if it weren't for that. For that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm very competitive, which is why I don't look at things. <laughs> we get tests back. I, I did this in university, too. But, like, in high school, when we're, like, next to each other, yeah. and it's like, nope, I didn't yeah. look at it, so I don't know. It doesn't exist. It's yeah. Schrodinger's grade. I remember doing that in grade 10 in math. I was at the top of the class <gasps> oh. for the first few months. And then, my, like, they always announced your... They would they would hand back the test in order of the grade, like, oh. from top to lowest. And I was always at the top the first few yeah. months, and I hated it so much, and everyone would expect it. Yeah. I dropped my own grade by 20%. Oh, 
Yeah. Because I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And no. everyone would go, oh, it's Chloe again. I go, no, 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 I hate this forever. It yeah. feels bad. Like, and I remember, like, there's that one class, and it was like, I, I don't remember what his name is, but it was this guy, like, I actually kind of had a crush on. I thought he was cute. He was, like, really nice. And I didn't have a real crush on him. I was just, like, a yeah, cute yeah, man yeah. guy. Anyway, um, like, she, like, gave, she, like, made this big deal about my mark. Um, she's also a really hard marker. And, like, that was also irritating. I was like, please don't set it up like this. And I remember him being like, let me see your paper. And I was like, uh, I was like, I, it's okay. He was like, no, I just want to, and I was like, like, no, like, and then I gave it to him because, you know, I don't know, like, I wasn't at a point in my life. Now, if it happened now, I'd be like, uh, fuck you, buddy, no. And he wasn't trying to be mean, but I just would have been like, no, it's not your business. If it was now, I would have gone up to her after class and been like, hey, actually, don't do that to me, yeah. please. Um, but then, you know, you're like a kid. I'm still a kid, but, like, then you're, like, you're really vulnerable. I think high school is really vulnerable. Anyway, it, I just didn't like it. Like, I, I I don't like that shit. Competition is not fun. No. And then in math, I was on the flip side where I was the, when they, I had, he would hand out, and I was the bottom mark. Like, and, like, that also feels bad. It mm-hmm. feels bad on both ends. Nobody wins in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Also, to go back to the topic, but, like, stay yes, in high school. Yes. Uh, what was it? Was it family studies? And it was Joel. Yeah. He made us call him by his first name. Yeah. Which is, like, already a red flag. But we did classes on gender and, like, how gender reacts in relationships. Interesting. And also friendships. Yeah. And I remember sitting in this class where we're talking about female friendships and him being like, in the end, like, just the way that women are set up, like, they're just really catty. And they're gonna like talk about you behind your back, and and they're gonna you tell them a secret they won't keep it. And I remember putting on my hand and being like, no, like that is not yeah. how I feel about my like friendships. That's not how they work. And he was like, really, like you've never been betrayed by one of your friends. And I was like, no, like I can tell them things. They're not just gonna go around like, what the fuck is this? The Real Housewives of yeah. Toronto, like. <laughs> are we on bravo i don't understand like no and he's like a teacher in this class and he's talking to us and we are teenagers and he is just like black and white saying like female friendships are are not safe that they are this way not that this is bad or this is how they're portrayed or like this is a way that we pit just like they just are this way because of who women are and i could not believe yeah but he was also one of those people who, again, told us in this class that, like, you know, if you get raped, you can't get pregnant because the body naturally presents that. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And people class. loved him. They were like, oh he's such gosh, a great so popular. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, that no. class was just uh and it, I dropped it. Oh, it no. was so hard because you are in high school <laughs> and everyone did love him. And I would just sit there and be like, I don't think this is right. No. Like, I don't think this is correct. And I can't remember now the stuff that he said about, like, romantic relationships, but I also remember I can't remember imagine being that's like, great. Yeah. This is not accurate. And he was like, no, it is. And I was like, no, no. I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> I don't think this is true. You're just talking in, 
in generalizations as though they're facts. Yeah. And, like, that's not a fact, but, like, it you're perpetuating it by teaching it to this group of teenagers. Yeah. Well, it's one thing to say, like, hey, like, there is a stereotype that women are catty and this is where it comes from and here's how it yeah, might let's be dissect perpetuated. That. That's one thing. Yeah. To just say it, like, I... It's a biological no. fact. A scientific fact. I don't trust anybody who starts talking to me about biology and gender. It, those, And I'm like, no, like, I don't want to hear it. Like, I... No, I don't trust it. Like... <laughs> That's not how that works, buddy. Like, sorry. But you're in high school, so what do you do? Like, you're like, that's, that's, that's fucked up. So, yeah. No. No, no please. Uh, please. <laughs> so, like, no, you hang up. Oh, God. Good golly gee. Uh, this is something that, like, gets me a lot, and this is something I don't think I always understood, but I think that society just assumes that, one, romantic relationships are the only relationships that can be intimate, and two, that romantic relationships should take priority over everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that sometimes your romantic partner should not be prioritized. Like, there are times when you will need them and they will need you and that will have to be your priority. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like, at different times in your life, you're going to want to and have to make time for different relationships. And sometimes you're going to need to prioritize your friendships and also that romantic relationships are not the default for intimacy i just mean my most intimate relationships are uh usually friendships or have most consistently been friendships Mm -hmm. in that like they're always there for me they like sustain me like my friendships especially the friendships i have with women are like so um beautiful and complex and like Yeah, sustainable, I really think, is the right word because they stand the test of time and they last through things. And it's not that you can't have that with a romantic partner. It's just that that shouldn't, there shouldn't be a hierarchy. And I don't understand why that is the top of the hierarchy. Yes. Like, I don't know. Like, it it, it just, and I've not always been good at that. Like, I've not always been good at recognizing that that's true. It's take, it took me time to get there. But now I very much understand that, like, your romantic relationship can't take priority over everything else all the time and it shouldn't be that way and that friendships are just as important and I don't understand like they're not given that credit yeah if you don't put any effort into your friendship you're not you don't really have a friendship romantic relationships are not the only relationships that you have to pay attention to and have to cultivate and then you know as a result of that like romantic relationships are not the only relationships that are rewarding or are fulfilling yeah there's so much emphasis put on being in a romantic relationship uh as though you can't be totally emotionally satisfied within platonic relationships as though they can't also be deep and supportive um and you know last for long periods of time and as we said like the media has this tendency to just super sideline those yeah um which you know, most of the time, you know, books I read, like fiction I like, I like the friendships. Like, they really pull me in. My favorite characters in Harry Potter are the Marauders, <laughs> who, most of which are dead. That's not true, but eventually they are all dead. Yeah. But it was just this idea, like, just something about their, like, group of friends, like, their friendship that, like, goes through so much and that they, like, care about each other so much, like, was always so compelling to me. That is a chosen family. Like, most of those boys don't have that outside of that, Mm -hmm. like, group. It's just, it makes me emotional. Okay, (laughs) it just makes, because they, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's beautiful. 
And those stories I find just as compelling, those relationships I get just as invested in as romantic relationships. So I don't understand why that's the only thing we prioritize. Yeah. It's flashy. It's flashy. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to watch a movie about two girls living their best girl lives. Yeah. Do you think the fear and vulnerability women often feel have shaped female friendships in our society? So, like, i.e. women travel in packs because it's safer. Other women understand. You should say this because I'm just reading also off the sheet. slower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friends. Let's do me a read. Do you think the fear and vulnerability women often feel has shaped female friendships in our society? For example, women travel in packs because it's safer. Other women understand fears that occasionally seem irrational, uh, like being approached by men you don't know, talking to men, walking with your keys between your fingers in case you're, like, we're gonna key someone. I don't really, but it does make you feel safer, yeah, right? But I don't know that a key is a great weapon. Like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing with it. No. Still, though, still it helps. You know, do these shared experiences of fear and vulnerability end up ultimately making our friendships stronger? Uh, stuff like someone checking up on you uh, when you're on a date, having your yep. location on lockdown, <laughs> just in case you get murdered. Yeah. These are things that men don't necessarily have to think about. They're not experiences that they right off the bat have to bond over. Yeah. So, like, does that, like, affect the relationships uh, we have? <laughs> See, I am, I, this does get real essay. <laughs> she pontificates. Yeah. Have women created their own counterculture almost because they feel ridiculed by the mainstream, e.g. girl nights, movie nights, sleepovers, wine nights, etc. While they're like boys nights, I feel like there isn't quite the same culture of men getting together just to hang out and talk. Whereas women tend to need and want to gather together to listen to specific music and watch specific movies and talk about things in spaces that are entirely fe female. Overall, women feel safer around other women, like walking home alone at night. Uh, if you see another woman, you feel better versus if you see another man. Uh, going into spaces that are entirely female, like female gyms, for instance. Does this comfort make it easier for women to form friendships? And then just to like really drive home, this essay reference. I uh I wrote a thesis paper about Which author. I was looking at it the other day because it is it's the spine and my name's in gold on it. It's really great. Anyways. Um but I wrote it about uh pregnancy and childbirth in early modern England. But something that I found really interesting was so women's bodies are ridiculed. They're ridiculed then, they're ridiculed now. Um and and it's seen as kind of disgusting and something that has to be hidden away. So, like, women, when they're really pregnant, when they're giving birth, they're locked up in rooms, literally, like, stuffed keyholes. Only women are allowed in there because men don't want to see that shit. It, that sort of arises out of this idea that women are gross. Yeah. <laughs> women have cooties, goodbye. But then this culture emerges where there's, like, this lying-in period where... Like, all of your female relatives, your female neighbors, they come and they bring food and gifts and they sit with you and you drink and you eat and you talk and this goes on for a week and the men have to do all the cleaning because the women can't leave this room. Like, this thing that started as shaming women yeah. turns into this literal, like, female culture. Like, they just take over this space 
And they're like, okay, this is the space you gave us, this stuffy little room. I'll hang a drape here. I'll bring a bottle of wine. i bring you a, a cheese platter. Like, it, it becomes this this whole ritual of of sort of female relationships. And so I guess I was thinking, do we still have that a little bit? Yeah. Like, are there things, you know, like, when we have, like, girl nights and we do the silly, like, girl things, we get to do it in a space where there's nobody there who's, like, looking down on us or, like, this is a waste of time or this means you're not very smart or you're not very whatever. We just get to sort of relax in spaces that are... (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, or where no one is holding you to that whatever standard or whatever trope it is, yeah. right? That's the was a wild roller coaster yeah. of a thought. That, am I getting this wrong, or is that not where the term gossip comes from? Right? Like, yes, yes, yeah, gossips. Right? Yeah, yes. And it's funny Tears. that <laughs> it's funny now that we like we talk like you know gossip is something that is like very associated with femininity, and we we it's like this insidious thing, but it actually came from something like it was just people sitting around and talking, <laughs> and like you're like oh, okay. Um, I definitely think that women have made their own spaces out of necessity. Like, I think to me, there's so much value in a space where I feel like I can just breathe, like, right. Where like, I don't have to face up against whatever garbage it is that I have to face up in the rest of the world, or at the very least where I can like sort of be with people who understand, um, it takes some of the exhaustion out of it, I think. There is a certain amount of exhaustion of having to explain all the time why I feel like I have to walk with and my keys between my fear. fingers. Yeah, the, like, there's, a, there's like a whole lot that goes into that. And that's why I never really understand when like straight people or white people or whatever privileged group it is get sort of up in arms about designated spaces for marginalized identities. Yeah. Like I think when you're coming against yeah. whatever restraints you're coming up against, whether it be white supremacy or the patriarchy or homophobia, like whatever it is, um, you need a space where people, it's, it's not just people who are sympathizing because there are people like there are people who you could talk to and they'll sympathize, but they don't, they can only ever understand so much because it's not a lived experience that they've had. So I think there is something valuable about just being somebody, being with somebody who just kind of gets it. And I, and I think that's true for women, but I think that's that's not specific that's like no there's a lot of like you know plus size people who like need to congregate in spaces where they don't have to explain stuff right where they just have to yeah Yeah. or like whatever it is right again I think that's you know women owned and run gyms or like queer spaces is another thing right like where you don't have to explain your queerness to other people I guess or your like whatever it is your race like it's like you can just be with other people and it takes the exhaustion out of it when I think you get to take, again, like, it's, like, take the armor off. Like, yeah. I can talk to a guy who is probably totally fine, but there's always a little bit of me that's, like, kind of anxious. Like, yeah. is there a danger here? Even if it's, like, a tiny danger, like, an advance that I don't want or whatever. Like, are we on the same page? I don't know. Like, is this going to go somewhere? Whereas, like, with women, like, you know, like, women can also make, like, advances on you. But somehow it doesn't feel in the same vein. Like, I'm not afraid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think there's an inherent, there's like a, I think that there's a certain entitlement that has come with being raised as a man in this world, right? Like, you're told to take what you want, and there is a certain entitlement that I think that always scares me. Yeah. Right? Um, And even when it doesn't scare me, it at the very least frustrates me. It's like, oh, I understand. You just think that. You can just do that. And yeah, like, you can I take up all the space. You can take my space. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't give up your space, 
that's a problem for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is the whole thing about that. This is what it is, right? It's it's because the world is not made for you in this, this, and this way. It is important to have a space that is made for you, right? Or like that you make for yourself, whatever it is. That's why I never, when people get up in arms, I'm like, I, I can't help you. You have the rest of the freaking world. Like, yeah. just go walk down the street. Yeah. Like, it's yours. Like, just give me this one thing yeah. that I want, whatever it is. Weird how we're so... We're told that we're supposed to be, like, catty and competitive when we're all, most women and self-identified women that I've seen are just, like, you're looking out for everybody. Yeah. Making sure everyone is safe. You're like, you good? You good? You good? I'll walk with you. I'll get you where you need to go. I'm on your side immediately. A big part of, like, like, air quotes, like, female culture, I think, is, like, checking up on people. Mm -hmm. Is, like, okay. Text me when you get home. That book. Yeah. Text me when you get home. Like, where are you going on this date? Like, give me an address, you know, who's going to drive you, like, that sort of stuff, like, constantly checking up on each other. And I think that that, as far as I have witnessed, is not something that men have, that that's just not a concern of theirs, it's just not on their brains. Sometimes it's like you you do your daily thing, you know, you go through life and you, whatever it is, you do whatever you have to do to get through. But some days it does overwhelm me how exhausting it is to always have to come up against whatever microaggression it is. Or even like, you know, the safety stuff is concerning when you're walking down the street and you're like, oh, am I going to die today? Because some guy yelled at me, whatever. Like, that's concerning. But also it's just exhausting having to constantly explain yourself or like, you know, like something that exhausts me and happens to me a lot is like, I'll say something and nobody will listen. And then a guy says something and everyone's like, that's a great idea. That's something that happens with men I love. They yeah. do that to me. And that, like sometimes just thinking about having to deal with that, I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, like that is so tiring to me. And being like, that's going to be my whole life. That's never going to stop yeah. in my lifetime. I mean, it's going to be something I'm going to have to come up against till the very end. Yeah. And that is so tiring. But you know where it's not going to happen? No. Right here? Right here. Hey! In these exactly. spaces. Exactly. Exactly. Why we need spaces. That's why we need spaces. Yeah. God, space is so interesting. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do I'll do some more pontificating. Yeah. On space. On space. <laughs> this has been good. Yeah, it it's really was good. lovely, it's been actually. Fun. It's been friends. Yeah, friends. Just, friends. Just a couple of friends. Send out some blankets. So, um, actually, and by the time that you're hearing this, um, our Patreon will have been launched. Ayy. Yeah. And so there'll be links to that in the show notes. So take a look at it. There's a really silly video of us. Um, it's a super fun time. Super fun time. Chloe, thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us. Yes, thank you for thank being you for here. for having me in your space. Wow. <laughs> Lovely to have your beautiful self here beautiful energy thanks i live here all right and uh we're up we'll see you next week bye, bye. if you've made it all the way to the end we thank you we pity you but also we thank you can find us on all kinds of socials we don't know how to use. Uh, we're Akko Rocco, A-W-K-O-R-O-C-O on Twitter and Akwadaraka on Instagram. If you have topics, ideas, questions, compliments, you can email us at akkorocco at gmail.com. We do not accept complaints. Um, 
If you like what we do and you want us to do it better, you can support us on Patreon. We'll leave a link in the show notes. Big thanks to Nathan for our intro music and Callum for our beautiful icon art. We'll link his Instagram in the show notes as well. He does real good art. Please check it out. That's all she wrote, folks. See you next week. Go be awkward.